0: You're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Love and greetings, brothers and sisters, and grace and peace be unto you in Jesus' name. Uh, this is Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. I want to welcome you to another podcast episode. Uh, looking on the horizon, we notice that soon, Uh, April 9th in the year of our Lord, 2023, is the celebration of Resurrection Sunday, Holy Week, Passion Week, uh, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I just thought it was proper and fitting uh, to do maybe a couple of episodes, sort of preparing a way for that great Christian celebration so i'm going to be taking on a topic and kind of in and of itself it's an unpleasant topic that most people try to avoid or ignore we don't typically speak of it in polite company but it is the prospect of death this haunting specter of death and uh it's interesting because we're living in very sterilized and sanitized times uh even when it comes to death you know uh, in years past death was um more close to us in a sense um typically when people died Um, They died in their homes. Um, Not like today. Today, most people die in hospitals or hospice or, you know, some kind of sanitarium. Um, And there's kind of a distance between the dying and the living. Uh, Not so in history. Um, Most people, like I said, they would die uh, in their homes And when they had funerals or wake services, they didn't go to a funeral parlor and pay all that money. They would literally lay out the corpses of their loved ones on the kitchen table. So whether you were, you know, a parent or a child or a loved one um, there, you saw you, you touched you were very familiar with the prospect of death. Interesting enough, we had a more higher moral tone when death was near to us than what we've been able to do in these days uh, to distance ourselves from it. I mean, it's so um, surreal in these days. It's not like we we don't want to just not even talk about it and ignore it we don't wanna even give the appearance that we're heading towards death. I mean, you know, we're, the health drinks and the, the, you know, the supplements, the vitamins, the plastic surgery. I mean, you name it. We don't wanna give any indication that we're being weakened in the way that we're becoming sickly or, you know, we're gonna lose our, our strength, our beauty, our handsomeness and we're going to die. It's like we're in a pretty bad state of denial when it comes to certain realities in life. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. Uh, it's Bill Murray and uh, Richard Dreyfuss. It's called What About Bob? It's it's a comedy. and But there's a scene that sort of, you know, kind of drives home this scary specter of death Um, if you remember the movie you know bill murray has a lot of issues a lot of mental problems and he thinks richard dreyfus his psychiatrist is his salvation and and he weasels his way you know into the family he wins the family over to the consternation of richard dreyfus you know and richard dreyfus you know he's it's driving him crazy uh but anyway it it is kind of a funny movie uh but the point being there's a scene where bill murray uh is sort of being a roommate to richard dreyfus's son and they're cutting up and hooting and hollering carrying on like kids you know in a sleepover but there's a part of that scene where it becomes deadly serious And the son goes, we're going to die. I'm going to die. You are going to die. And there's Bill Murray, and he gets, you know, really serious, and he's swallowing hard, you know, because death is coming for us all. And I remember growing up in Bridgeport, doing the thug life the gang life you know that that specter uh definitely was was present i could remember struggling like what like what is the the meaning of life if you know is there some cruel cosmic joke you know um and this whole death issue because every time i went down the, the philosophical trail trying to figure out the meaning of life it always ended with my death and uh i could never uh alleviate uh this struggle you know in my soul and of course i was raised in the atheist home so i i didn't have uh you know biblical truth available to me at that time and and of course then growing up you know i had like several brushes with death like almost like the next second i'm going to kind of die and so growing up you know in an atheist home gang life thug life in fact when i was born uh i i was born with a heart murmur in asthma and so you know basically my first days on this earth i was turning blue and and suffocating and i they put me in an oxygen tent uh from what i understand for about six months just turning blue Uh, so right from the very get-go there was something (laughs) that was wanting me dead (laughs) uh thanks be to god i outgrew asthma and i survived Uh, But, you know, from there, you know, going into gangs and gang fights and, you know, beaten with padlocks and chains, had knives pulled out on me, you know, sometimes somebody would put out a gun and we'd run for the hills and bullets were whizzing by our heads. And, uh, you know, uh, I I survived, you know, Um, there were times where, I almost drowned probably about four or five times. I almost drowned uh, uh, one or two. It was just me, uh, you know, falling into a sinkhole and and panicking. And at the last moment, you know, somebody threw me towards shore. Uh, one time it was my uncle. I can remember he, he gets me towards shore and, uh, and I'm trying to get in to the beach, and there's my dad telling me to swim. And I'm like, man, you have no idea. You know, I was about to breathe my last, and he wants me to swim. It was, like, insane. Um, And then there was a couple of times I almost drowned by saving other people's lives. They were so frantic and so freaked out. You know, they would pull me under and keep me under. And there was times I had to, you know, bounce up and just punch them, you know, to get them to calm down so I can get them to shore. And uh, so, you know, the Lord allowed me to survive those things. Uh, there was a time uh, when I was in the army in Hawaii, and this is going to kind of let you in some of what my life was like before I submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but I, let's just say I was a bad drug addict and a bad drug dealer uh, because I was always eating and smoking up the profits. But anyway, uh, a soldier friend of mine and I, we, we went half on a pound of pot, pound of marijuana weed in Hawaii. And we went to the North Shore of Hawaii to break it up and to sell. And we were out all night, we were stoned out of our minds. And um, but, you know, we looked up and it's like, oh, you know, 3.30 in the morning and we're an hour and a half or so away from base. We don't have a car. We got to hitchhike home and formation is at 5.30. And God help you, if you miss formation, you are in deep trouble, you know, with the Army. So here we are hitchhiking in the middle of the night. This guy, Marty, and I were stoned out of our mind and uh, four black guys pick us up and so you know i get in the middle seat uh between the driver and the passenger side and marty gets in the back he's on the right end a side of the back seat and we're driving along they have wine we're drinking wine now marty suspects we're in trouble i don't have a clue i'm just stoned out of my mind partying silly drunk yada 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 and we're cruising along, have no clue what's going on. And um, and they drive by our posts. And they told us that they were Army guys like us, but they were actually Marines. And what they were doing is they were picking up Army guys, uh, beating them and ripping them off. And one person that night actually died. Um, so they, I think we were like their third or fourth hit that night. And um, so they drive by the base, and I still am not connecting the dots. I'm oblivious to everything that's going on. Marty by now knows for sure this thing is going down. And so one guy says, oh, I got to take a pee. And they pull off into a pineapple field, still not connecting the dots, still do not know where we are in grave danger. And then all of a sudden, the passenger side guy puts a gun to my head. I mean, the cold steel is in my temple. And no, I didn't have my life flash before my eyes. But two things definitely happened. A, I was instantly sober and recognized the danger we were in. And then, B, all I could think of was getting my hands around this guy's neck and choking him to death for scaring the daylights out of me. And right when he pulls the gun to my head, the guy in the back hauls off and punches me in the back of my head. So this thing is on. Now, we were partying, and I had to pound a pot in my lap. And so they kick us out of the car, at gunpoint, they tell us to take off our boots, throw them in the, the pineapple field. And so now we're barefoot barefoot, uh, in the pineapple field. And just before they leave, they kick what it looks like Marty right in the groin. And they kicked him hard, like really hard. They just barely missed. Uh, and I thought, you know, he, he'll, he'll never have kids. <laughs> that ain't, that ain't going to happen. Um, But, you know, A, thanks be to God, they didn't shoot us, uh, they didn't kill us, um, and they threw the pot of pot out the window. So that's sort of a humorous part of the story. Uh, I won't go to the end of it, but let's just say they got caught, justice was served. um, But that was, again, another sort of close brush with death. And then there was a time... Um, After I got out of the service, you know, pursuing fame and fortune in Hollywood, I went on a weekend with uh, a couple. Um, It was an incredible weekend. Uh, A lot happened that weekend. We went to Sequoia National Park. Um, I fell in love um, with a woman who was way beyond me. Uh, I was not in her category. She was a very beautiful, refined Italian woman. And I was very, very raw. And, you know, she was older than me. But anyway, I got Twitterpated. And we were together and um, we're hiking the mountains and the rapids and all this stuff. So the other guy that I was with, his name was Joseph Sarmiento. He was a philippine guy and uh i don't know joseph did something he totally ticked me off and so i warned him you better get away or i'm gonna bust you up um, yeah i wasn't really satisfied <laughs> back then i i had a very fiery temper and um and i couldn't control it very well so you know he took warning and so he decides to walk along the rapids. And at that point, we were I think it was like May, and all the snow was melting from the mountains, so those rapids turned those streams into white water rapids. I mean, the force of the water was incredibly strong. So he's walking behind us in the rapids, and i'm walking on the ridge of these hills and mountains with the ladies and so here i am bragging boasting on how many times i escaped death and as i'm bragging and boasting guess what i slip on some moss and here i go tumbling down the mountain (laughs) okay (laughs) you know as you wish I'm going down this mountain, and I land in the rapids. When I land in those rapids, I know instantly I'm a dead man. I'm a strong swimmer, a very strong swimmer. Uh, my swimming coach at the Orchid Boys Club in Bridgeport, Connecticut, said if I stuck with it, I would break Connecticut state record. It was a very strong swimmer, lived in the pool constantly. Uh, But here I am, no matter how good of a swimmer or strong of a swimmer I am, I cannot get out of these rapids, and I can't get to the embankment. And even if I got there, I I couldn't hold on to anything to get out. And so these rapids are going along, and I'm heading to a waterfall where it's going to throw me down about 30 feet and dash me upon rocks. I'm gonna be splattered. And Joseph Sarmiento was a little bit behind when I fell into the water and he's looking into my eyes and he knows I'm dead man walking. It's written all over my face. I am gonna die. Now Joseph was about my height, which is not very tall, but he's skinnier than I. I weigh a lot more than he does. Holding on to nothing, one chance and one chance only, he sticks out his hand, holding on to nothing, and he pulls me out of the rapids. Now, according to nature, gravity, the strength of that rapid, I should have pulled him into the rapid but i believe god almighty gave him the strength to pull me out of that rapid it literally saved my life and, and and here's the thing i was and i was such an outdoorsman i was such a a daredevil like when i was growing up you just tell me i can't do something just tell me i can't do it and that's how i made my money i would do dares i would do bets Put my life in danger over and over and over and over again i would climb faces of mountains with no ropes no nothing and literally like get hundreds of feet high and just get stuck like hanging by my fingernails and my toenails you know couldn't go to the right couldn't go to the left couldn't go up couldn't go down and just frozen in fear you know on the side of the mountain it happened a couple of times and that's where you come up with the idea of the commitment move. Because you're going to have to make a commitment because you can't stay there forever. And thank God the commitment moves worked because I'm alive here today. And I can tell you story after story, you know, escaping motorcycle accidents, uh, so many times that God delivered me from danger and to to death. But I gotta tell you brothers and sisters going through all that and like again and seeing how society and our culture treats death today um i this one time i was driving along and came across this bumper sticker in a car in front of me and it kind of kind of drives home the point right so it says this it says eat healthy drink plenty of water exercise, get rest, and still die. And you know what, brothers and sisters? I I don't know if if you've had brushes with death. I don't know if you struggle with the threat of death, but it is a reality that all of us will face. It's an appointment we're going to keep. So in keeping with this Biblical worldview of death, I want to start uh, at the Book of Origins and um, go to the beginning, where it all comes into focus. And uh, I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures. In Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 7, because this is how life, human life, began. Upon this earth. The scripture states, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Praise his holy name. You know what's interesting about that, brothers and sisters? Even from a scientific point of view study the minerals in the top soil of the earth and you know what you're going to find all those minerals are in the human body so literally um, from the dust of the earth god formed us so that was the the exterior that was the physical but how did we become a living soul a living being God breathed into the nostrils of men like a resuscitation act and we became alive physically mentally emotionally spiritually alive a living human being then you know the rest of the story you know God places Adam this living human being in a garden gives him a wife gives him a mandate tells him his mission the work that he's supposed to be about and and then the lord says this in verse 15 of chapter 2 then the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to tend and keep it and the lord god commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat now watch for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die and that was god's warning now i could imagine that death was a foreign concept to adam and eve at that time because everything that they have known everything that they've experienced everything that their senses revealed was alive it was life what is this death business about but god gives them that warning and of course they succumb to the temptation Of Satan, Uh, they commit high treason, here comes the fall, and here's the thing, brothers and sisters, once they partook of the forbidden fruit, obviously, physically, they did not immediately die, something else died within them, and they suffered a spiritual death, they were alienated from their creator now eventually the wages of sin is death and so eventually uh, adam and eve went back to the dust from whence they came now due to the fall of man the apostle paul states this truth and you can find this in romans five twelve therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned and that's the reality that we are facing all men have sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of god and this is why we die And the Bible is clear on this, brothers and sisters, that when we're born, we are conceived in sin. From the womb, we go astray. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. Every man does what is right in his own eyes. And this is our condition. And because that is the condition, that earns the wages that eventually brings the payment of death into each and every one of our lives and so throughout human history death has plagued the minds of men it's one of the main reasons why we got all the religions and the philosophies and the cults <coughs> excuse me in the world we're trying to make a sense of life and death and what does it mean is there any meaning to it is there any value to it you know what can we glean from these things and we're trying to figure it out right uh so here like we have a man like solomon the wisest man that ever lived on the earth okay and he actually wrote a book uh that was canonized in the old testament ecclesiastes dealing with his struggle with death i mean this perplexed this man um it's it's a fascinating book, uh, Ecclesiastes. It really, really is, because it's looking at life from a human perspective under the sun. And here, here's Solomon. And of course, he's a man of peace. Remember, I've, I've shared in times past that you know David, you know, he was the man of war. Uh, he conquered all the threats of all the pagan nations. He he brought. You know peace to the region and this afforded his son solomon to become a man of peace a man of letters he could spend time meditating observing learning going to university you know studying this studying that studying this right because he he was afforded that time uh and here's the thing you know solomon he not only had the time he had the riches he 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 had the wealth he he had so many servants i mean whatever the the bible tells us in ecclesiastes whatever his eye saw whatever his heart desired uh he just gave himself fully to it so look he's on this grand experiment like what do men do under the sun that you know gives meaning to their life you know and he explores all the possibilities that men pursue in this fleeting life you know fame fortune power pleasure you know on and on and on it goes and like i said he had the time he had the wealth he had the resources to give himself fully to those you know desires those uh pursuits and what's interesting at the end of the day his response is vanity vanity. All is vanity. To him, life is nothing more than the grasping at the wind. And so here we have this guy, right, who he's achieved tremendous things. I mean, he was wealthy. He was famous. He was powerful. He experienced a lot of hedonistic pleasure in this life in fact it cost him uh, all the women he had uh, turned his heart from the lord and he brought idolatry into israel um, you know it's a question you know where is he at in eternity i don't know uh, but i do know he didn't end well but the point of the matter is you know his struggle was okay Like why, why do men knock themselves out to achieve fame, fortune, pleasure, and power, when at the end of the day, we're going to die? And here's the thing, we can't take it with us. The Apostle Paul is clear on this. Naked we came into this world, and naked we are leaving this world. Remember, it was Egypt and the pharaohs who tried to take it with them. And they're entombed in those pyramids with all their worldly possessions. And sometimes their wives and their servants dying with them to help them along the way. But the fact of the matter is none of that passes through to the other side. And so here's Solomon knocking himself out trying all these things, achieving all these things. And then he says at the end of the day, I'm going to die like a fool, like an animal. And here's the thing. I don't know where any of these things that I've achieved, where is it going to go? Is it going to go to a wise son who will perhaps build on this and expand it? Or will it go to a foolish person who's going to squander it all? and to him that's what constituted vanity vanity all is vanity though he did say this though um it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion so he kind of tried to give some temperance to that but interesting throughout the book of ecclesiastes he, he does come up with this uh, advice which i thought was pretty kind of weird um he he said that it is better it is more wiser to be in a house of mourning than a house of mirth a house of laughter and obviously that is so contrary to the spirit of the age right eat drink and be merry because tomorrow we die i really believe that's one of the reasons why middle-aged men specifically go through their midlife crisis they know death is at the door and so they start freaking out i got to get me a new sports car you know i got to change in the old wife for a new model you know i got a party i got to i got to travel i got to do this and they forsake their families and they go on these binges to try to reclaim the old glory days. And it's such a lie. It's such a disaster. It destroys so much. Uh, But this is what plagues, you know, the hearts of men. And and so, you know, you you, you look at life, you know, one of the worldviews is hedonism. And that worldview says, get all the pleasure you can out of life because you're going to die. And Solomon rejects that worldview completely so that's that's where the foolish go you know the wise goes to the house of mourning and I, th- I and I think it's because a he you know he's trying to say we need to sober up when it c- comes to life and death uh, we need to understand the implications of it uh, and that's wisdom because a lot of us we prepare, A lot for this temporal life but how many actually prepare for eternity how many you know we make preparations you know and save you know for our kids for the future but how many are actually preparing themselves for the day they die and meet their maker see the house of mourning I I think that would that concept would definitely come to mind So, here's the world, you know, they're trying to ignore death, avoid death. Um, But they've also come up with some concepts concerning death. And, And mainly there's two basic alternatives to the biblical worldview of death. One is annihilation, that basically when human beings die, they cease to exist and just become food for the worms that's one view uh the other is reincarnation and if you're familiar with that um, all of life goes through a series of life and death cycles and so depending how you lived your previous life if you were good uh then you came back in a better form of life uh and if you continue to do good you know eventually you reach the stage of nirvana where you become a drop in the ocean of nothingness and uh, that's reincarnation well god's word uh totally rejects those worldviews and kind of blows it out of the water Hebrews 9.27 states this, and as it is appointed for men to die once, bye-bye reincarnation, but after this, the judgment. So he, he blows away reincarnation, and it shows that men are alive after death because they're facing the judge And his judgment. There is eternal, everlasting life. The only issue is where. You know, the Bible clearly tells us there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And there's really a Savior who stood in the gap to rescue us from hell and to secure our place with the Lord in heaven. And so there's everlasting life with God, and there's everlasting punishment in hell. And it's something we seriously need to wrestle with before a holy God, and deal with it before we shuffle off this mortal coil. So I want to take you now to the book of Hebrews, and I want to look at death from the perspective of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he accomplished at the crucifixion. This isn't one of the many things he accomplished on our behalf. But here is Hebrews 2 verse 14, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaking of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death speaking of the crucifixion he speaking of jesus might destroy him speaking of the devil who had the power of death that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage now for those of you listening here there are many reasons why christ came to the earth one of them is to destroy the power of the devil Um, some of those uh, works or powers uh, you can find in john chapter eight they are the lies and the murder of the evil one satan but notice and this brings up sort of a an interesting theological issue because it says the one that has the power over death is the devil interesting that that that's something we sort of have to wrestle with when it comes to god's word but regardless when christ comes he destroys that power and so here's the interesting thing how he did it if you are familiar in the old testament there's a man by the name of nehemiah he became the governor in the rebuilding project of the temple and the restoration of god's people back to israel after the babylon captivity the bible says he was a cupbearer of the king uh, at that time and It was, you know, a pretty cozy job, unless, of course, somebody's plotting to murder the king by poisoning the food and the water. So his job was basically anytime the king wanted to feast or eat, he had to taste the food, drink the cup. Uh, If it wasn't poison, go ahead, king. Uh, But basically, it was the lesser... The cupbearer putting his life on the line for what most people consider the greater, the king. And I, I really want you to capture this, folks. We know Jesus is king, he's king of kings, he's lord of lords, he's the king of heaven. The king of earth. He's the king of the nations, right? And I want you to think when the Lord came, he didn't pass the cup of death to the peasants like Nehemiah and say, Drink this to save me. No, the king, he drank the cup of death to its dregs he drank the cup of sin to its dregs he drank the cup of wrath of Almighty God against sin and his sinful creatures he drank to the dregs to save who the peasant you and I that is so different than the world system that's being manipulated by sin and the devil and this is why at the end of the day brothers and sisters this is why the apostle paul can declare oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory and i'd like to go through that but i'm gonna save this for Probably the next episode, because I really want you to think through that statement and how powerful it is when it comes uh, to every human soul that's been upon this planet and that is yet to come. But in closing, I want you to turn your attention to the crucifixion here is our mighty champion, here is our great deliverer, here is the Messiah. He's on a cross between two murderous thieves. In some ways, these two murderous thieves represent mankind in the valley of decision. Now, the Lord and these two men are literally mere moments away from death, and eternity now we know the one thief he's following the crowd he's going along with that mob spirit he's taunting he's vile he's blasphemous right um, he, he is just spewing hatred upon the Lord of glory right and and the other thief initially kind of went along with that mob spirit but something happens along the way. And I don't know if he's looking at the people who are mocking the Lord, taunting him, blaspheming him, looking at the hatred spewing out of their mouths, even the other thief on the other side, but something sobers him up. Something happens when he is looking on the broken, bleeding body of the Savior of the world. And his whole demeanor, his whole mentality, his whole whole spirit changes to the point he actually rebukes the other thief going, hey, snap out of it. You know, we did crimes that were worthy of death. This man has done nothing wrong. So this other thief, he's getting it. The pennies dropped. He's getting understanding. And so he looks upon our Lord and this is what he cries Lord remember me when you come into your kingdom and so here's the thing brothers and sisters and those of you who may not know the Lord this guy is nailed to a cross there is no way he's coming down from that cross He's going to die there. So he has no opportunity to do a good work. No charitable deed could he do. He's not going to be able to be baptized in the water. He's he's not going to be able to go to church to be discipled or mentored in the ways of the Lord. He is about to die and yet he looks upon the Lord and this is his prayer remember me when you come into paradise Well, obviously the Lord heard faith in that prayer that that man was trusting him that he had the power somehow before he dies before he enters eternity that he is gonna be with him in Paradise. And the Lord assures him, He says, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. In other words, you're going to die. I'm going to die. This thief is going to die. But you, after you die, you're going to be with me and you are going to live forever. And so for every born-again believer, and this is why you must be born again to enter or see the kingdom of God. In fact, in the New Testament, it never says a believer in Christ dies. It always says they fell asleep because there really is no lasting spiritual death that can cling to a believer in Jesus Christ. And so to be absent from our body is to be present with the Lord so how about you my friend where do you stand which thief are you are you going along with this God hating world spewing vileness and blasphemy against the Savior who came to redeem us by shedding his precious blood dying and rising from the dead on the third day do you follow him the one who came to defeat death and basically tells us you don't have to be afraid of that old hole in the ground anymore I've conquered that thing follow me see he has the power to not only forgive sins and break its power in our life he has the power to remove the fear of death from our souls perfect love casts out fear so my friend do you have the blessed assurance that all is well with your soul jesus said this if you believe me and believe my words you have already passed from death unto life. He proclaimed on an occasion, I am the resurrection and the life. So I'll leave you with this important equation. Born once, your parents birthing you into the family of man, you're gonna die twice. You're gonna die as physical death, as all men but you're also going to die a spiritual death. And that is the one you want to avoid at all costs, because you will suffer forever. No escape, no second chance, no do over. You can't hire a high price attorney to bribe a judge. It's forever and ever. Or You can be born twice and only die once what do i mean by that born once yeah your parents birth you into the family of man born twice when you're born again by the spirit of god literally birth into the kingdom of god added to his church you're only gonna die once the physical death and even then our body goes back to the ground but we are present with the lord and one day the bible promises there's going to be a shout there is going to be the sound of the trumpet and then somehow by god's almighty power he's going to take our bodies and reunite them with our spirit and we're going to live forever and ever with the lord in heaven where the bible says no more sorrow no more pain no more tears no more struggles no more saying goodbye to our loved ones safe forever with the lord and so i'm gonna leave you with that good news So, folks, this is Rusty Thomas signing off and encouraging you to keep pressing on to that high-caller prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, folks. Until next time.